2 Corinthians chapter 1, it was read to us earlier. I want to read it again. I'm going to read it from the NIV because I like the way the NIV words it. Did I get some feedback right then? That was, uh, yeah, <laughs> okay. But as surely as God is faithful, our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Boy, over the years, I've done lots of weddings, okay? Right here. Done lots of weddings. I don't know how many. I was uh, reading a, a funny story about uh, a wedding that was done. I didn't do it, but the preacher was talking about it. And he said that um, what had happened was in the wedding, they we're going to start the ceremony and they had asked one of the little nephews, you know, 10, 11 year old nephew to be the candle lighter. He had a little tuxedo and was all fixed up, you know, and it was part of the ceremony. It wasn't just something that happened before time. This was after the music started. Everybody's seated. Parents are seated. Everybody's seated. He comes in and he takes this long, uh, thing that lights the candles and uh, it had been set up and it was already lit and it had a tier of candles on two sides and he went up and he started lighting them and he got to the top one and he couldn't reach it. And so he's reaching up and he gets up on his tiptoes and everything and he can't reach the candle. And he's got two to light and he, and he stops and he turns around and he looks and his mom and dad are kind of sitting there. They don't know what to do. I mean, everybody's watching. And he looks to the preacher, and the preacher's not paying any attention, of course. And he's over there flipping through his notes, you know, and trying to get ready for the ceremony. And the little boy just doesn't know what to do. His name's Travis. He just doesn't know what to do. Everybody's looking at him. He can't get the candles lit. So he begins to kind of break down and tears start running down his cheeks. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I think that's the way many people feel who uh, are Christians. We become, we, we, we step in as a Christian, we have these expectations of how we want to live and how we believe God wants us to live for him and he does and we try and we try and we just can't seem to reach 
that person that we know God wants us to be. And, and so we, we become disappointed and, we, and, and it becomes a major, and we feel like everybody's watching and we're failing and, and we're falling short and uh, we, we think of our own sinfulness and our own inadequacies and our own inadequate efforts and um, we're just like the boy Travis. And um, isn't it ironic it seems to me that those of us who have striven all or most of our lives to love Christ and serve Christ, we seem to be the ones that need the gospel preached to us more than anyone else. Because we allow our own inadequacies, our own inabilities to so defeat us and so beat us down and and, and, and I can remember, it's not as big of an issue today as it was 35 years ago or 40 years ago. Uh, I know you didn't think I was that old, but uh, that used to get a little chuckle at not anymore. But uh, anyway, that, you know, 40 years ago, you'd talk to somebody about their salvation and you'd, you know, like, you know, are you, are you going to heaven? Are you happy about that? And I said, well, I hope so. There was always a sense of doubt. I don't know. You know, I hope I'm saved. If I've lived a good enough life, then I'll have a home with God in heaven. Really? That's what it is. That's, that's the way we were. That was the thinking then. And I know that some still labor under that because we know that, and we think, well, I've got to measure up. Uh, and I know that we were taught many times that, uh, that, that God is a judge and that he re we get the idea that he reluctantly allows us in. And it's more like he puts up with us. And, and we know we don't measure up and so Christ has to die to help us and and, and God, it's like God standing there saying, well, okay, this time. This time, but don't, don't do that again. And, and, and so we, we've labored under some misconceptions where it's yes and no, which really means maybe. Are you saved? Maybe. Are you going to heaven? Maybe. Well, here's the good news. God promised, promised that if we believe in Jesus Christ and are baptized for the remission of our sins, we're in. That's it. There's no maybe to it. There's no yes and no. Uh, it's not I hope so. The answer is yes. Yes. You're in. And here's the gospel. It comes from Paul's epistle. We just read it. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, which is another way of saying maybe. It was not yes and no, but in him it has always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. 
Think about the impact of those words. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. They're not yes and no. It's not a maybe. It's not I hope so. It's not I'm, I don't know for sure. But it's yes. And that's the kind of people we need to be yes people. We need to be characterized with yes. And, and that's, this, that's the first thing he says in that text is that God loves us. Does God love you? It's not I hope so. It's not yes and no. Yeah, he loves me when I'm good. He doesn't love me when I'm not good. It's not that God is angry and hates me when I sin or when I do bad. God loves us more than we can even imagine. Listen to the text. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it has always, how often? Always been yes. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. I want you to think about all the promises God has made since the beginning of time. Are you thinking about them? Yes. He's never failed to keep one single promise in all of history. Every promise God has ever made, he's always kept them. And Paul says that all the promises God has made in scriptures, God has fulfilled them all in Christ. Christ is God's yes to us. Christ is God's yes to humanity. He's never failed to keep any of his promises. Everything God says that he'll do, he does. No exceptions, no ifs, no maybes. We don't have to worry about it. We don't have to doubt it. He will do it all. Everything he said. And that's what makes Romans chapter 8 so important. Let's, let's look at that. Romans 8. We'll start with verse 31. That's a lot of words, isn't it? You can just listen to me if you want. Or you can read. If you can read. If God is for us. Well, is God for us? All right. Speak to me. Is God for us? Okay, if God is for us, who is against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up over, delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us, how much? All things. You know, who would you give your son for, or your child? Is there anyone you love that much? No. But God loves you that much. How do I know? Because he gave his son. That's a big deal. I think we get too used to the idea. But that's huge. And if, if he's going to give his son for you, then 
then how will he then fail to look after you and take care of you and give you all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. You know, it's interesting. Who will bring a charge? Did you know the word Satan means accuser? That's what his name means. He's the accuser. And you can count on the fact that he accuses you. And he's justified in accusing us because we sin. And he says, see, Bill Day over there, he sins. And God says, well, too bad for you, Satan, because I've justified him. You can't accuse us before God because God justifies us. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. Satan comes before God and says, oh, Bill Day sin, did you see that? And Jesus is sitting there and says, Father, he's mine. God says, okay, that's it. That's all I need to hear. It's a yes, not maybe, not I hope so. It's yes. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? You see, Satan has thrown all of those things at God's children trying to, to bring discouragement into their lives. But when people went to their death... They were able to say, I know God loves me. I know how this looks, but I know God loves me. This is what allowed the Apostle Paul when he was in the dungeon, the prison dungeon in Philippi, closed into the, into the very depths of that prison, the stinky mess that was there. And he was able to look at Silas and says, man, I feel a song coming on, let's sing. Because that prison can't separate him from the love of God. The distress we go through, the sicknesses, the cancers, the heart issues, the divorces, our children running amok, none of this stuff can separate us from the love of God. I know things may look bad now, but there's a day coming... And how do I know that day's coming? Because it's yes, that day's coming. Not maybe, not if, not I hope so, but yes, the day is coming when we will be glorified with the Father. And he goes on and he says, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Is there anything else? No. None of them will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. Paul says, look at Jesus. He is God's yes. He's yes. I remember back, like I said, in the old days when people would say, well, I hope so. And 
Thank God he revealed the truth to me that I am saved in spite of my sins. And people would say, well, are you going to heaven? And I'd say, absolutely. And they'd say, well, how do you know? Because God said so. God said so. Does God tell the truth? Yes. And look at Jesus. He's, am I going to heaven? Jesus is God's yes that you're saved. Jesus is God's yes that you're going to heaven. Our Christian faith is not I hope so. Or in Paul's words, yes and no. The second point I want to make from this text is, he says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us set his seal of ownership on us, put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. We belong to God. We are his. That's what this text says. We belong to him. He put his ownership on us. Of all the billions of people walking around on the earth, a few have a, a tag on them that says God's. This one belongs to God. The others over here may not, but this one belongs to God. You belong to God. You are His. You are the very children of God. I like the text in 1 John chapter 3 where he says, See how great, just look at how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God. That's a big deal, folks. It's a big thing. And such we are. What? Children of God. For this reason, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved. And you see, that's the funny thing. You go out to the mall, you're walking around, you've got this tag on you that says child of God. No one else can see it. They don't realize that you're special. They don't realize that the angels of God are hovered around you looking at you. They don't know who you are, but they will know. We know that when he appears, when Jesus appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. The day's coming when people are going to see us as children of God. It's when Jesus returns and all of you who belong to Jesus, are, your body is going to be changed into the glory that Jesus has on him. Because you're special. And how do I know that? Look at Jesus. That's God's yes. Yes, that's going to happen to you. We are children of God Almighty. There's an interesting story, and I've had this kind of thing happen to me, and you probably have had happen to you, but uh, Tim Hansel, in a book that called Holy Sweat, 
tells about climbing around uh, some cliffs out in the country with his son, Zach. And there were a lot of cliffs and everything, and he's trying to maneuver himself, and all of a sudden he hears his son, Zach, says, Hey, Dad, catch! And his dad turns around to see his son falling towards him. His son had jumped off of, a, of, of an upper uh, rock level and was jumping right at him. So he catches him and knocks him down to the ground. He does this, like, you know, circus act right there, you know, and falls down on the ground and takes him a minute to kind of recover himself. And he says, uh, can you give me a, a good reason why you would do that? And Zach says, because you're my dad. He knew he could trust his dad. Wasn't even any question about it. There was not maybe. It wasn't yes and no. It was yes. My dad will catch me. Yes, my dad loves me. You know, if we had that kind of confidence in God, what might our lives look like? I mean, Abraham had that confidence. Moses had that confidence. David had that confidence. I mean, we know he did. I mean, who would go after a giant with a sword and only have a slingshot? He knew he could leap and God would catch him. What might our lives look like? Christ is God's yes in our lives. There's another thing this text says. He says, now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. And he goes on and says, he anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I like that imagery. I mean, how many of you have put deposits down on something? Oh, really, nobody? Give me a break here. I know my son, uh, you know, Aaron and Brittany, they just put a, they put a deposit down on a house. And you know what they did? They got a frame that said deposit. And they, put, and they carried this frame around with everybody and they said, we made a deposit. See our deposit? How wonderful our deposit is? They didn't do that. First thing they did was take us over to the new house. And everything has been, has been about that house. Everything has been about that house. You see, that's what a deposit is for. A deposit looks forward to something better. A deposit looks forward to something good. The, it's not the deposit that's important, right? It's what the deposit is for. It's what you're waiting for. Four. And, and you put a deposit on a car, or you put a deposit on, on a ring, a wedding ring, or, or an engagement ring, or whatever. And, and that's what's important. And so what is this text telling us? It says that there's something coming. There's something wonderful getting ready to happen to us. There's, there, there's something glorious coming. And, 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 and it's to come. And it's something better. And how do I know? Because Jesus is God's yes. Are we going to be saved eternally? 
Yes, not maybe, not I hope so, not yes and no. Yes, Jesus is God's yes. You know, that's what the passage we read earlier in 1 John is saying. Let's look at it again. See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God and such we are. For this reason the world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, we are children of God. Now, now pay attention. And it has not yet appeared what we shall be. We know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we will, shall see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is. John is saying that they were living their lives and we are to live our lives with a view to what's getting ready to happen. We're, we're in the deposit phase. We don't go around saying deposit, deposit, and, and fix our lives on the deposit. Something's getting ready to happen. We're getting ready to be glorified. I mean, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 2 and 3 says, Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Did you know that's where you're headed? Did you know that that's what's ahead of you? That you are going to be elevated to the same place of Jesus. And there's a day coming when the world is going to look, the, the unsaved world is going to look to you and see you in a glorified, glorious state, a glorified body, and you're going to be sitting on judgment seats. Not as a hateful thing, but as a glorious thing. That's what's coming. He says, don't you know you're even going to judge the angels? You're even more important than angels. Something's getting ready to happen. How do I know? Because God's made a deposit. Well, how do I know this is going to work out? Look at the cross. Look at Jesus. That's yes. Yes, it's going to happen. Yes, you're going to be glorified. Yes, you're saved. Well, I, but I make a lot of mistakes. So what? You don't think God knew that before he sent Jesus? He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows that all human beings have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us. And in spite of that, he sent Jesus to save us and take us to glory. And it's got to be yes. Are you saved? Yes. Are you going to heaven? Yes. Are you going to be glorified? Yes. Not I hope so. Revelation 3.21 says, He who overcomes, this is Jesus speaking. Can you believe Jesus? How many of you believe Jesus? He who overcomes, I will grant him to sit down with me on my throne. You say, well, that's if I overcome. Overcome just simply means you keep your faith. <laughs> 
even in the face of persecution, you keep your faith. It doesn't mean that you don't commit sin or that you don't fail, because you're going to do that. That's a given. And God knew that. And Jesus knows that. But if you keep your faith till you die, then you're going to sit down with Jesus on the throne of the universe. Yes. One day you and I will discover that God whom we serve really does like you. Really does love you. He's, he's pleased to call you his son and his daughter. God is not this stingy, judgy character. God is the father and the prodigal son whose son is just so messed up. comes back to his father to apologize and his father doesn't even allow the words to come out of the son's mouth, I'm sorry. And the father embraces him and loves him and, 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 and kisses him and says, quick, bring the robe, bring the shoes, let's have a celebration. That's the way God feels about you. Don't doubt it. I'm preaching this sermon because I don't want you to doubt it. If you, have, if you have yes in your heart, listen to me. If your word is yes in your relationship with God, then you'll live a joyous life. And you'll live for Him. And you'll glorify Him. Oh, by the way, you remember young Travis? Travis is standing there, turns around, looks at the audience, the music's, wedding music's playing. Everybody's looking at him. By this time, the preacher has quit looking at his notes and he's looking at him. Tears running down his cheeks. He doesn't know what to do. Nobody else knows what to do about it. Pretty soon, Travis looks over and he sees a little bench. I don't know what that's for. It may be one of those churches that had prayer benches, okay? But he goes over, he grabs that bench by one hand, and he drags it over in front of the first tier of candles, climbs up on that bench, reaches up, and he can just reach that top candle and lights it. Gets down, grabs the bench, pulls it over to the other side, gets up there, and he can just reach it now and light it. He turns around, looks, he turns off that little lighter, puts it on the floor, turns around to the audience, and goes, Yes! <laughs> You know, that's the sense of jubilation that we've got to have. We've messed up. And we continue to mess up. And the gospel, the good news is, is that in spite of our mess-ups, we're glorified. In spite of our mess-ups, we're saved. 
In spite of our mess-ups, we're going to glory. We're going to sit on a throne of Jesus himself. We're going to judge the angels in the whole world, and we're going to live eternally in glory. And you go, oh, boy, I don't know. Don't say that. Yes. In fact, you know what? He says in the text, I don't know if I have it. Is there another slide? No. In the text, it says, that's our amen. Did you know that's what amen means? Yes! Amen. You're saying yes! Yes. Amen. If you're not a Christian, you're really missing out. <laughs> I hope you've gotten that from this lesson. There is so much to look forward to if you're a child of God. If you're not, not so much. And Jesus said this, if you'll believe that he's the son of God, that his death on the cross will take care of your sins and bring you to glory, he said if you'll believe that and get baptized, you'll be saved. That's Mark chapter 16, verse 15 and 16. Not my opinion. God's word. If you need to become a Christian, if you want to become a Christian, you can come down here. We'll baptize you today and you're in. And from that point on, your life is yes. Let's have an invitation song. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through.